everyone. Welcome back to an all new edition of the 20% podcast, the podcast that brings you tips and tricks from industry professionals across all industries that you can implement in your current job today. Today's guest is Logan Lyles. After studying journalism and photojournalism in college, Logan dove into the sales world prior to his current role as the VP of customer experience at Sweetfish Media. At Sweetfish, they currently help purpose-driven leaders with their personal brand through podcast and written content. Along with this, Logan is also the co-host of the B2B Growth Podcast, which is a show that is dedicated to helping B2B marketers achieve explosive growth. Logan truly believes in the power of B2B podcasting and written content because they allow you to establish thought leadership, fuel content strategy, and create strategic relationships with your ideal clients, potential referral partners, and industry leaders as well. In this episode, we discussed content-based networking, how journalism skills are universal, the power of product knowledge, adding value through podcasting, his interviewer 101 course, and much more. Please enjoy this conversation with Logan Lyles. Logan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Appreciate you having me, man. Could you just start off by saying who is Logan Lyles? Oh, man. Uh, short short version. I won't go with the long existential version, but uh, currently I'm the VP of customer experience at Sweetfish. So we are a podcast agency specifically for B2B brands. Um, I joined the team about three years ago. Uh, I've got uh, a background. I'm sure we'll kind of talk about career journey like you have with some other great guests here. But um, I was I had a background in journalism. I got into copier sales. Those like Dale Dupree uh, and other other folks I know who have been in that space will tell you it's the office equipment industry, but I sold copiers for about 10 years, uh, really where I cut my teeth in B2B sales. And currently, you know, with Sweetfish, I oversee both our sales team as well as our customer experience, our post-sale team uh, at, at Sweetfish. So that's what I'm up to. And wow. yes, huge Broncos fan. <laughs> and he's rocking the Broncos fan, uh, hat as well for those who are just listening in. Um, so I have a quick question before this. I feel like everybody was in copier sales previously how many copiers were sold over the past 25 years or maybe oh, even man. i don't know but i know that i missed the heyday so i i did that from about 2008 to 2018 and the stories that i heard of the guys that were doing that pre-2000 and um you know late 90s stuff like that um just talked about making some serious money so you know i was in it for about 10 years um, it, it really, when I say I cut my teeth, man, it was, I, I'm not your typical extroverted salesperson, but I was given like, Hey, here's your territory. Here's your business cards. Go talk to people literally in person, walk in the door, cold calls, uh, that sort of stuff. And so I do think that if you're hiring for salespeople and you see experience, uh, selling copiers and actually, you know, they, they actually did well, they had some successes, then you probably have a candidate you want to pay attention to because uh, at least in recent decades, not the easiest business to be in. And um, it probably have somebody with, with some grit and, you know, haven't learned some lessons the hard way. At least that's the way it kind of, uh, it, it ended up for me. And I think I learned some things uh, the hard way, just jumping in with both feet, getting my start in sales there. Yeah, absolutely. So if you wanted to dive a little bit further into what were some of those top skills that you learned from being in copier sales, from getting your teeth kicked in in person, right? We're in a virtual <laughs> world right now. So, you know, yeah. you can just take a sip of my water and continue on. But how did you overcome some of that? And what were the biggest lessons that you had? Yeah, I almost gave up on sales in the first two years of my career. Because like I said, I'm not the biggest extrovert. I wouldn't say that I'm like, 
oh, I've got the gift of gab, like a lot of, you know, people that I know who are really successful in sales. Dale Dupree comes to mind again for anybody who doesn't follow him, go, go follow him right now. Not kidding. Um, but I, and so I really struggled, like, I'm trying to, you know, I, I don't know if I really like the competition here. I don't know if I, if I like saying, Hey, well, I'm 10% better and you should buy from me. And, you know, the products are kind of the same, but, but, you know, and I, I really struggled with that. And what, what I ended up leaning into was I found the part that I love. So I was selling copiers and I actually had a background in photojournalism. And I was like, well, I used to use Canon cameras and now I sell Canon copiers. Let me kind of geek out on this technology, see what I kind of get excited about. And can I bring that? Right. And so not everybody's going to be your technical salesperson. And I'm sure you've had people on the show here talk about like, get further, stop talking about your product. Right. And there's, there's truth in that too. But what I found was what is it about sales that I really like? So I enjoyed technology. I enjoyed teaching. I enjoyed being, being that source of knowledge. So I started to say, okay, if I'm going to be in this industry for a while, how can I be, how can I be more knowledgeable than uh, my customer, than every other salesperson? How can I be more knowledgeable um, than even like the manufacturer reps that, that we bought from and, and then sold to the end customers? So, you know, teaching and kind of taking that, uh, that knowledge approach and transferring knowledge, like that shift to me helped me realize like, oh, I actually do like this. Right. And you found something that that's super, super interesting because you, like you mentioned, it could be, I was in, I was in hardware and software sales before this. So you could look at that as being a commoditized business, but where yeah. the differentiator is in the people, right? And what yep. you did is you took yep. that education and you took the knowledge approach to it. Um, have you always been a genuinely curious person or always loved to, to either gain knowledge or teach? I would say so. I, I think there are people that I know, James Carberry, one of my best friends in the world and our, our CEO at Sweetfish. I think he is probably the most curious person I've ever met. Um, and so when I think about people like James, I'm like, ah, I'm not that curious, but I, I am like part of why I was in journalism prior to going into sales after college was I just loved learning. I loved reading. I was like, oh, I could be part of figuring things out and asking questions and sharing that, that information. And so that tie from journalism to sales um, was kind of an unexpected one for me really early on in my sales career, but I think it was one that actually, you know, did me, did me some good. Um, because I remember my first sales manager was like, I'm giving you the job because you actually walked in, you made eye contact, you shook my hand, you, you brought in your resume, um, as opposed to just, you know, firing off and an email. And that was, you know, um, you know, over 10 years ago, how much more is it, you know, like that now where people aren't, uh, you know, willing to do the hand-to-hand -hand combat that we do in sales, you do in journalism. I remember telling him like, look, I've, you know, I've been, uh, I'm a journalism school graduate. I'm used to walking up to people, starting conversations, asking for information, trying to navigate that nuance that is not just hard science of how do you break into a new conversation with someone you don't know who isn't expecting this conversation. And so um, again, if you're, you know, looking for, uh, salespeople, I would say those with a journalism background, probably a good place to look. And if you're thinking about a career in sales, or you have some experience in journalism, think about how can I tap into some of those things to make myself a better salesperson?
Interesting. And I, I love that. that to my core, this is all about why I love to talk about some of the early journey stuff, because I truly believe that anything in this book that I'm writing right now is all roads lead to sales, how sales skills are the foundation to a successful life. And you're oh, kind of pushing it and you're pushing it out right there of, yes, you went to school for journalism and photojournalism and ended up in sales. You know, like I mentioned to you before, I studied exercise physiology and now I'm in sales. Yeah. But there's so yeah. many parallels about how you could get better in sales and how you could get better in life, right? So mm -hmm. taking a little dive back before I draw some more of those, before I ask some of the comparisons, as you mm -hmm. mentioned, a couple of them between sales and journalism, why journalism? Why did you start there? Yeah, so actually coming out of high school, um, I, I pictured being an overseas Christian missionary uh, full-time as part of the, the vision for my life. Um, and then uh, I went on some mission trips as a teenager, started taking some photos to kind of document that. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Um, you know, then I, I really developed a, um, I, I kind of had this vision of, what if I was a National Geographic uh, photographer and I could, you know, travel the world and take pictures and also uh, do ministry alongside and those sorts of things. And um, so after my freshman year of college, um, one, I got, I got married and started paying my own way for school. So I transferred from a private Christian school to a public state school. And I also started to think, well, I, I want to have a, I want to have um, a, a skill set, whether I go into ministry or if I go into uh, the, the working world. And so journalism was like, Hey, I could probably use this in a lot of different ways. What was really fortuitous though, is, you know, as, as you pointed out, sales skills are the, the foundation for so many things for success in life and in business. Um, I think that my foundation in journalism, not even seeing where content was going to head over the next 10, 15 years, right? There, there is so much value in understanding and being able to create content in different forms. And so that for me, it didn't end up the way that I thought, you know, initially thinking, Hey, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be a national geographic photographer to, I'm going to be a newspaper photographer. Then, you know, the, I graduated college in 2008 and one, the economy was in the toilet Two newspapers were closing up all over the place. You know, at that point we still had two newspapers in Denver, the Rocky mountain news and the Denver post that is, you know, there's only one as most Metro areas went through over the last 10 years. And so I was like, uh, how am I going to get into this? Oh, I get a sales job to kind of get me through. And then you know, the rest is history. everybody does sales. that. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. I love that. And I, I feel like I'm going to keep jumping back and forth between this journalism and, and kind of what you're doing now. It, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? How, how now you're working for Sweetfish Media, which is obviously an online media company. You guys are doing podcasts and stuff like that, but you still learn all those fundamentals in journalism. You're still using some of those skills mm -hmm. from journalism in what you're doing right now. So what are some of those skills that you're using right now that are maybe even in your sales career that you learn from journalism that you may thought, eh, this may not be beneficial for me moving forward, but it really ended up being something important. Yeah, it's interesting the way you say, you know, kind of jumping uh, back and back and forth, because I think about, you know, when people ask me, what do you do at Sweetfish? I'm like, well, I'm, I kind of have this dream job where I combined marketing and content sales and journalism. 
right? Uh, because I joined Sweetfish. I was the first full-time uh, sales hire. And the thing that attracted me to Sweetfish was, hey, it's podcasting. Podcasting's kind of getting cool. That, that was all well and good. But I heard James, our founder and CEO, talk about this strategy that is core to his book by the same name, content-based networking. And I'll say that again, not content marketing, not content-based marketing, content-based networking. And for salespeople listening to this, it, it, it literally, this concept, you guys, changed the trajectory of my career. And this is where, I mean, it's what you've talked about doing with the show as we were chatting uh, previously, Tyler. Create content with your ideal buyers because then you create content and you have the relationships, you know, as you and I have talked about, a podcast is a great excuse to talk to anyone, whether you want to learn from them, you want to build a relationship with them because they could buy from you, you want to build a relationship with them because they could hire you, you want to build a relationship with them because they could buy more from you or refer you, right? And it's not right. disingenuous, like people have this shady view of, you know, networking in their mind, but we all understand as salespeople that, you know, the old adage that your network equals your net worth, right? Or vice versa, if you flip right. it around, whatever, right? And so we all know we need to build our network. And then, you know, you throw in things like a global pandemic where we're all, you know, behind uh, Zoom cameras. And that, that to me, this strategy of content-based networking, where if I am in sales and I want to build relationships with uh, current customers, referral partners, and prospects, I can go create content with them. I'll build genuine relationships and create content along the way that I don't have to wait for marketing to, to feed me and look at and say, this isn't really relevant, right? Um, so I stepped into the sales role at Sweetfish and started executing this strategy of content-based networking. I was sitting in the sales seat. I became the host of our daily B2B marketing podcast where we're interviewing VPs of marketing who are our primary buyer persona. And so I got to use my journalism skills to ask good questions. I got to use my sales skills to build relationships as I was on podcast interviews, just like this one, and then wrap it up and say, hey, have you guys ever thought about starting your own podcast or is that way out of left field? And so many great conversations came out of that and it didn't feel like a hard sales pitch. And it was way easier to have those conversations than a cold call because we actually just, you know, bonded over creating some content and that content was legitimate and went to a real audience. So I added value before I ever asked, you know, the sales question. And then I, I got to, you know, continue that evolution from those journalism skills to content marketing. And so that's where kind of that trifecta for me of marketing, sales, and journalism, you know, have come together in my career. And I think even if you don't work for a podcast agency, if you think if this strategy of content-based networking makes sense to you, it really can change the trajectory of your sales career too. If you do it in one way or another with a podcast, maybe you're a good writer, you could interview people and write stuff. Maybe you're good on video and you prefer to record, you know, for a YouTube channel, something like that. So um, I, I, I am a, a big advocate for salespeople learning to create content, but not to just hold up and say, Hey, I'm, you know, sales manager, I'm going to take half my week and go create content. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go crank out a blog, but talk to people that you would be talking to anyway, and just have pre pre discovery calls with them, record it and turn it into content. Wow. I love that. And it sounds like what you're saying is no matter what you're doing with these podcasts, and I'm a true believer of this as well. The intent is essential. You have the positive intent of focusing on building that relationship first and then having those sales or having that business relationship 
as an outcome or a result of that good relationship. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And it's no different than, than anything else, right? Your LinkedIn DMs. Do you connect with someone then and boom, launch into a sales pitch? If you, you know, sold in person pre-pandemic or even, you know, post-pandemic and you went to, um, you know, Chamber of Commerce meetings, right? You get people, you get the sense in those conversations just saying, hey, let's exchange business cards. What do you do? Da, 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 da. People that are willing to invest the time in building the relationship and then asking the question, hey, where can we do business? Hey, could you refer me here? That sort of stuff. None of that is bad, right? But if you're just completely disingenuous of this is how I'm going to you know, get in front of the right, the right people, you don't want to do that. But it's also like to call it out and say, hey, I want to be thoughtful about who I want to build relationships with. And I want to add value upfront. There's nothing sleazy about that, right? It's, it's better than having the same target list and then just pounding them to death with cold calls and emails. Like 100%. you're going to identify those people and try and get in front of them anyway. How about you do it in a genuine way that adds value? It doesn't mean that you're tricking people. It means that you're actually doing it better in my opinion. And if you are leveraging this as a lead generation platform. I mean, how many other people are asking to be on a podcast? I mean, if you ask any buyer that you're working with now, VP of marketing, they're probably maybe getting a little bit more used to the content side of things, but overall from a sales rep, who gets a question of, Hey, could you be on my podcast? That's a different, yeah, I mean, especially if you're in, you know, an older school industry manufacturing or healthcare, or, you know, um, I mean, there are any number of things, maritime logistics. I mean, there's so many, you know, power lawn equipment. Like there's so many different industries where, you know, the modern approach to content marketing has not fully taken over to where it asked and asked to be a guest on a podcast is something new unique, value added, and differentiated in your prospects inbox. Wow. I love that. That is so great. So my goodness. And, and it's so, so awesome too, because like going back to some of the relationship point, like I obviously had no thoughts or, you know, VPs of marketing are some of my target audience. We could probably share contacts or try to work together to say, Hey, can we do mm -hmm. intros here and there? And that yep. was not even a thought that I even had going into this conversation. I just wanted to yep. have a good conversation. And as a result, these are the certain things that you have just based upon good results. Is that what you're seeing in some of these podcasts when you have your B2B brands going after some of your prospects or your regular customers as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the example you just shared, like we hop off here and you, you know, you look at my contact list and you see, Hey, these five VPs of marketing are like on my top tier list. And it looks like you're connected with them. Logan, would you mind sending me an intro? One, we've gotten to know each other, you added value and you're featuring me on, on this podcast. So the law of reciprocity is going to, you know, eke in a little bit there. And I'm going to be more apt to say, yeah, sure. I can do you a solid there, Tyler. Um, two, I'm probably more apt to actually have something to say and maybe, you know, send a video to one of those people and say, Hey, my guy, Tyler, he's great. We're both always in ball caps. As you can see, um, he had me on his podcast. I think you would be great on his podcast as well, or, you know, maybe take a call with him, whatever, you know, you had kind of set me up to do definitely going to be more apt to do that. And that that's the point with content-based networking. It's like any other sort of networking as you do it, it multiplies and it's not always linear, right? Like you have someone on the podcast and then you finish and then you pitch them and then they turn into a customer. Sometimes they refer you, sometimes they go to another 
other company and they're like, oh yeah, I remember Tyler. I was on his podcast a while, a while back. I think he's over at Vidyard and we're looking at video solutions. I should give him a call, right? Um, those sorts of, those sorts of things just naturally happen. Um, it, it's a little bit meta for us because we host a podcast and then we sell our podcasting services. So, you know, I can, I have literally had times where I finish, oh, that was great. Say, Tyler, you're on, you're on our show on B2B growth. I'm like, Tyler, that was awesome. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. It ends. And then we're, we're chatting a little bit debriefing and I'm like, Hey, Tyler, have you ever thought about, or you might ask me, right? Hey, you guys do this for companies, right? Like we should talk. That has happened to me dozens and dozens of times over the last uh, three months and like, or three years, I, I should say, but it's not just because we sell podcasting services and we use this strategy with our podcast. We have customers that sell to data science leaders. And I just had a customer who said they reached out to a decision maker at a, a big target account. They said, hey, we've got a show called Data Science Leaders and we'd love to feature you. You up for a quick 15 minute pre-interview call to see if it's a good fit for you and you know, good content for our show. And, and the prospect was like, are y'all just trying to get me into your pipeline? Cause I see what you do, right. you know, and you guys offer a product for, for me. Is this just a sales pitch? And they were like, no, we've got 20 episodes in the bag. We're promoting this. We're turning them into blog posts. We want to feature you, right? If you want to talk about that, great. But this is not a sales pitch. They finished the pre-interview call and he's like, you know, just getting to know you guys, I should probably find out what you guys do. Cause it sounds like you're doing some interesting stuff. Right. And they had the prospect ask for a sales conversation because they said, time out, let's add value. And guess what? Their marketing team has a bunch of content that they would have tried to create anyway. Right. So even if that direct sale doesn't come from it, it's still a win. Right. And so there can be, you know, the direct win, the win of the, the content that comes out the other side, a referral, you know, introductions, that, that networking expansion, like in the example, the fictitious example, that's probably going to be true by the time people hear this. Now we're getting really meta. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, and three, let's go to a, you could do it. <laughs> this is so great. So, and, and that's, that is super, oh my God, I don't even know where to go from that. So there is so much, there's so much gold there. And, and really, I mean, what you're, what you're coming down to is you're building, I, I just keep coming back to it. You're building relationships with these people with no expectation mm -hmm. in the background, but then it magically could happen, right? I mean, like, so, yeah. so let's, let's talk tactically a little bit further about how you would actually get involved with this. So I'll, I'll give everybody a little bit of a strategy on how I typically go about yeah. doing some of my outreach for not, not for just regular prospect, a regular, not prospects, regular podcast guests. So I'll usually reach out if I followed somebody for a while, or, you know, I, you know, I connected with you initially back in December and, um, and said, Hey, you know, right now, um, we're, right now we're going, we're going to be going to, um, or I'm sorry, I just said, Hey, great job at John, you know, John Barrow's podcast, glad to connect. Right. And, uh, and from there, a couple months later, I said, Hey, I'm writing this book right now. I love all the stuff that you're doing with the B2B podcast. What could we do to get you on the show? So, and then saying, Hey, I could send you, you know, I'll send you the content afterwards and you could repurpose mm -hmm. it. So you could cut my face out of it and you have your content, like you mentioned, right. That's something else that I'll do with my guest of send it out because then from there, you're also promoting your show because mm -hmm. then they're probably going to give you some kind of love. If you, if you run a good podcast or you ask good questions, you know, if, if yep. you love the snippet from our, our conversation now, like I'll send you this whole link, I'll send you the yep. snippets that I'm doing for LinkedIn. And yep. if you make it as easy as you can for them to share it, yes. they're tapping into yep. their audience too. 
Yeah, I'll tell you another story. So we, um, a tech company called Flatfile um, started a podcast called The Customer Success Leader. And guess what? Who are their prospects? Customer success leaders, or at least the, it was at the time of launching their show. They reached out to decision makers that fit their buyer persona. They had a guest on. They made it easy for that guest to share some content, some snippets, some micro content from their episode, just like you're talking about here, whether it's a video clip or some copy for LinkedIn or graphics, something like that. That guest shared a piece of that micro content, someone in her network who, guess what, also fit this company's buyer uh, uh, persona, reached out to them and said, hey, can I be a guest on your show? And they're like, we would love to build a relationship with you. Absolutely. Right. And so those sorts of things are happening and you don't have to you know, be like us and be a podcast agency that has a podcast for a podcast to work for you in the strategy of content-based networking, because to me, it's just like, it's the best of both worlds. If sales and marketing had a baby, it would be a B2B podcast. Wow. I love that. So let's talk a little bit further of, you know, I am, I currently have my podcast yeah. and I, well, so whether you have a podcast or not, this could be pretty, pretty relevant of, of kind of getting started or, yeah. or if you have a podcast, like say, I want to start another, I want to get customers involved too, or just people outside of what my regular 20% podcast guests are. Would you have another day to where you post just customer conversations? I think like Adam Posner does it like that as well, where like a Monday is like a customer conversation that he had. And then Wednesday or Thursday is like his regular day of whatever his main core mm -hmm. guest is. Is that what you would recommend from a strategy standpoint? Um. It depends on what, what your goals are. So we've been talking about this a lot at our agency. You know, there can be different goals for your podcast. Within this strategy of what we're talking about here, where you're you're focused on content-based networking, you're creating content, but the relationship is really the primary goal. And then the content is valuable, but it's it's secondary. It's not like you're just measuring success based on you know downloads per episode or per month. You're looking at the relationships and the content. And so we think about this as kind of like an ABM or a business development strategy for the podcast. That's going to be different than if your strategy is just kind of your typical thought leadership, content marketing. I just want to get as many listeners as possible, get them to know about our brand and turn listeners into customers here. You're look, you're focused on the listeners, but also the, the guest relationships primarily. So within this strategy, there's absolutely room to mix it up a bit. You could interview prospects. You could interview some current customers. You could hop on and do some solo episodes. You could, um, you know, you, you can have a variety of episode types. I would say the more niche, the more focus that you have to your show. And especially if you have a compelling premise or a, a hook or multiple hooks, like you said, like every Monday, you're going to hear from me directly. Hey, here are five things I learned from customer conversations last week. And then on Thursday, I'm going to drop an interview with a practitioner, just like you, whether that's a marketing leader, sales leader, you know, whatever it is. So you can definitely mix those up. And I would say kind of create um, some sort of expectation in your listeners or your audience's mind, whether that's podcast listeners or your network on LinkedIn, or if you have email subscribers in your email list, create some sort of cadence uh, because we're ritualistic people, right? We're, we're creatures of habit. So tap into that as you create content and when you vary it up, vary it up, but keep it with some sort of cadence that's consistent too, which seems counterintuitive, like be creative, mix it up, but force it into a framework. Well, kind of. 
Right. Completely understand. So kind of letting everybody know saying, Hey, I am starting, you know, after my conversation with Logan Lyles, I want to start interviewing my customers because there's so many incredible stories. Like I reached out to somebody today who um, is at a, a media company now following used to be a Broadway uh, actor, right. Or, okay. or a Broadway yeah. show person. And yeah. they started yeah. seven or eight months ago after COVID started. Right. So, yeah. you know, I said to him, you know, in my video outreach message, Hey, so nice to meet you. I'm your new, I'm your account executive here at Vidyard. However, you know, just before this, I think it's super interesting that you were a Broadway, you know, that you were a Broadway, on Broadway prior to going to, uh, not Sweetfish. I'll, I'll use Sweetfish as the name. You yeah, know, prior, sure, to, prior, going to, prior to going to, to Sweetfish. Um, so, you know, I'm really interested in learning a little bit more about how sales and marketing works at Sweetfish Media. But if nothing else, I also have a podcast that I, that I run, and I'd be really interested to learn how you're leveraging some of those skills from Broadway and using it in sales. That's so, exactly what I was going to say. I'm so glad you went there and, you know, with just 20 minutes talking to you, I already know, you know, how sharp a guy you are, which just, you know, confirms the relationship building we're talking about. But yeah, like right there, I think it, even if you are in a saturated space and saturated, I use that very loosely. People are like, oh, there's so many podcasts. Yeah, it blew up during the pandemic and it was already rising, but Amazon, Spotify, Apple, they're not dumping money into podcasting because it's too saturated already. It's not. So sorry, soapbox sidebar. But if you are in a space where people are being asked to be featured in content, to speak at virtual events and be a guest on podcasts all the time, then make your ask specific like you just did. Hey, I noticed that you were, you used to be on Broadway. Can you talk, I would love to interview you specifically about how you translate skills on Broadway and in theater to sales and marketing. Up for it, that is going to get a higher response than, hey, do you wanna be a guest on my podcast? This is the name. Okay, so now that we have this strategy of reaching out to our customers or reaching out to our customers or prospects and getting them on the show. And we have a certain workflow of, okay, Mondays are going to be our day or, or whatever we decide what that content is. Now I want to talk a little bit more about some strategies on how, if you're a one person shop from a podcast perspective, what other kind of tools you could leverage right now? I am currently the host, the producer, the executor. I, I do everything for the 20% podcast, hopefully to change that within the next you know, a couple months, weeks, I don't even know how long. But in the meantime, I'd love to know what kind of tools could, could a one-man band leverage to, um, to utilize in their podcast or content creation strategies? Yeah, absolutely. If you can record audio and video, that's great. But something I learned in journalism school when I was going through multimedia courses is I learned that people will put up with bad video for longer than they will put up with bad audio. And think about it. How many blurry America's Funniest Videos or grainy YouTube videos have we watched? And we're like, okay, okay. But something with really bad audio, you're like, oh, it, it physically hurts you differently, right? right? So invest in audio, less than a hundred bucks. Get an Audio-Technica ATR2100, less than a hundred dollars. You can get it on Amazon. It connects via USB to your laptop. You can plug it in and just select it and use Zoom. 
You probably have a Zoom account. If nothing else, get a free one that lets you go up to 40 or 45 minutes or whatever, right? And record those. Now, from there, um, do you want to uh, download the audio and learn how to edit and you know post it in podcast format? Do you want to turn that video clip into something you can use on LinkedIn? Or do you want to just take that and, and listen back through it and write three or four LinkedIn posts out of what your guest said? Or do you want to do all of them? It depends on how much time you have. What's your expertise in each area and what's, you know, what's most fun for you, right? Some people are better, you know, they just want to talk. Other people really like to write. Other people really like video, right? So what's, what's your aptitude? So think about those three and do, you know, as much as you can, but start with a basic microphone, less than a hundred bucks. You already got zoom. If you're going to, if you're going to host it as a podcast, um, go to sounder.fm. Great podcast hosting platform. We use it for over a hundred podcasts that we produce, but there's a free version you can use as an individual one man or one woman band. Um, you can host your podcast there. It will push it out. Now there's some steps you have to take, but you can use that to disseminate to Apple and Spotify and Google podcasts and Amazon and every other podcast platform. Um, so you, you have that if you want to create some video clips, um, we're actually developing a product right now called Showcase, where you can put in an interview, video or podcast uh, recording with, with video, and it will identify short clips, subtitle them, allow you to put a frame and a headline over it so you can create these little square video clips that you see people doing on, on LinkedIn, right? And those are great content for you. They're also great assets that your guest is likely going to want to share going back to something we talked about earlier. So you can, right now we, we have beta users. If you go to tryshowcase.com, you can check that out. If you want something that's a little bit uh, more established, you can go to veed.io, V-E-E-D.io. Now that doesn't do the auto clipping for you, but it's a little bit further along. Showcase is still in beta and it's a product from um, James and the team at Sweetfish. So um those are a couple of tools I would recommend. Uh, the other um, editing tool that will change the game, especially if you are not skilled as an audio or video editor is Descript. So D-E-S-C-R-I-P-T, so Descript.com. It allows you to put in audio or video, transcribes it, and then gives you like what looks like a Word document above your typical sequence editor. When you delete words, it takes them out of the audio and video. It's like magic. Um, have no relationship with with that company. We've we've started to use their tool, but it is um, it really is fantastic. So those are some things that you can do um, if you're not recording video. You can use a, a tool like Headliner. Headliner.app. I think um, we'll let you create little audiograms that you can use on uh, on LinkedIn and social as well. We found that video performs a lot better or text post, but um, that is something that you can show to your guests um, if you're starting to interview them. If you want to take the audio and video up a notch from Zoom, check out riverside.fm. Really cool tool, blew up during the pandemic um, and their, their product has just been getting better and better. They allow you to record audio and video like you do with Zoom, but much, much higher quality, especially if you've invested in a nice podcasting mic, a decent camera. Um, if you wanna upgrade your camera, I have an external you know, mirrorless, um, Sony camera now, but for years I got along with a hundred dollar Logitech. I think it was like C920. That's what I have right now. 
phenomenal video quality for like 120 bucks. Um, if you're on sales calls all the time, you should have one of these anyway. You could probably get it you know, paid for by, by your company and get, you know, better video quality. Cause I think it's 720 or, or 1080, make sure, you know, either getting a, a, you know, a, a stand, like I've got for anybody seeing us, I got, you know, this little stand here with, you know, a screw, you can uh, put your webcam on that if you don't have an external monitor so that you're not looking down at the camera. Right. So, I mean, you guys at Vidyard know all sort have all sorts of content and tips about making your video a little bit better without a lot, a uh, ton of effort. So I'll, I'll leave it to you guys on that. But those are some of my tips and technology. If you're just getting started out, especially if you're just, hey, I'm kind of doing this on the side. It's This isn't necessarily company sponsored. How can I get away with without, you know, trying to sink a mortgage or rent payment into podcast equipment and production to use this strategy. Absolutely. So what Logan mentioned is a hundred dollar microphone and a zoom license, which most everybody has. So there's literally minimum barrier to entry of getting into this. So highly, highly recommended as well. Um, and, and also, uh, tell your company to create a podcast themselves and get Logan involved because B2B podcasting, as you just heard, is super, super important. So thank you so much for that, Logan. Want to ask one final question that I ask every guest, and I'd love the answers to it. If you were teaching a College 101 class based upon your previous life experience, whether it's work, whether it's life, what would you, what would you um, teach and why? I would teach interviewing skills. And I think you you expect that from the podcast guy, right? Because podcasts are all about interviews. But this quote that I heard, and I don't remember it verbatim, but this, this idea that I heard recently really has made me even more passionate about becoming a better interviewer, a better host and helping other people do the same. It, it was basically this, if you become a great writer, then you expand your ability to share in your, share your expertise more widely, more broadly, right? If you become a better interviewer, a better host, you expand your opportunities to share anyone's expertise, not just your own expertise, but anyone. So if you invest in that skill to ask good questions, to be a good interviewer, which is going to help you in sales as well, right? You ask better questions. You, you listen more than you talk on your discovery calls, then you're going to close more deals. Everybody gong has so much data out there about, you know, uh, that closing is actually in discovery and all those sorts of things. So whether you're in sales or you're in sales, like everybody, uh, to some degree, every everything is sales. If you become a great interviewer, you become a great salesperson, you become a great marketer, you become a great networker. So I would say invest in that skill. And if I were teaching, of course, that's what I would teach, but I need to go interview some more people about interviewing so that I can teach that better. Wow. I love that. that that's so fantastic. And, and what sales is, sales breaks down to communication and problem solving is really what sales is, is finding a problem to something you have a solution to it. You potentially leverage that to build a bridge. So being able to ask those questions to determine if it actually makes sense or not is huge too, because then if you're telling your customers, Hey, just want to make sure, you know, the reason I'm asking, if you preface some of your questions, you know, obviously you want to have those good questions that they're going to talk a lot and just not yes or no answers. But if you're getting them to open up and you're going to be able to tell them, Hey, I'm just going to ask a series of questions so I can really understand how you guys currently work from a sales and marketing perspective at Sweetfish Media and see if it makes sense to add video strategies based upon those certain areas where you may have some kind of issue or something like that. And if it doesn't make sense, that's fine too. Typically, most of the time we are able to find somewhere 
where video could be leveraged into that solution. So when you're putting it like that, then Logan's going to stand there and say, okay, I don't have to buy, like, it's cool. Like we could still be friends or we could go grab some beers in, in, you know, in, in Boulder next time I'm out there, right? Like it's totally cool. We don't have to worry about that. Right. But what it comes down to is being able to ask those good questions. Uh, being a podcast host, I would absolutely take that class as well. So thank you so much for that, Logan. Where could people learn more about you, about Sweetfish and everything else you have going on? Yeah. If you are looking to start a podcast for your company, you can check us out, sweetfishmedia.com. Uh, other than that, uh, I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn, Logan Lyles, L-Y-L-E-S. I think I'm the only one with that first last name uh, combination. So you can definitely find me there. And if you are in B2B marketing, um, you can check out our daily podcast, B2B growth, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple or otherwise. Wow. That's so great, Logan. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Tyler. It's been fun, man. Thank you so much for listening into today's episode. I've been really getting some great feedback from listeners, and many have left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as well. If you enjoy the show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review as well. It truly goes a very long way in spreading the word for our guest and also allows me to continue to bring on more incredible guests and onto the show. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you so much, everyone. Episode, 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 thank you so much.